We've been talking for several weeks about God's faithfulness, uh, God's faithfulness in the past and in the present, and God's promises for our future. And uh, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, how we respond to that and live into what we believe. If you're just now joining us at Bethany United Methodist Church, we welcome you. We're glad you're worshiping with us. Uh, we are leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in His image. And uh, we're glad you've joined us. Uh, if you're on a computer on the side, there's a live chat that may show up. And if so, uh, I invite you to interact with our hosts. Uh, otherwise, you can go to our website for information. Or uh, if you have a prayer request, you can call in on the prayer line. So as we begin this morning talking about uh, living what we believe, responding to God's faithfulness, I want to take you to a, a particular passage in Mark's gospel. Uh, as Jesus begins his ministry, he come, he's come to his cousin John in the desert. Uh, he's been baptized. And then uh, shortly after that, John is arrested. And, and after John is arrested, Jesus comes to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. Uh, the time is here. The kingdom of God has come near. It's close enough you can reach out and, and touch it in the person of Jesus Christ. Repent, uh, be changed, metamorphed, and, and believe in the good news. And the word believe in Greek is pastalo. Um, it, it has an active sense to it. It's, it's, it's all of these together. It's, it's to think to be true, that you think something's true, and to be persuaded of that. But it's also to have confidence in that and to be willing to entrust yourself into that truth. Uh, to be able to live into that. So when he says believe in the good news, it isn't simply mental agreement. It's believe in the sense of entrusting you, having enough confidence to entrust your life to that good news. And the question I want to ask you this morning is, do you? Do you believe? Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for being with us this morning and gathering us together, whether we're in this room or whether we're scattered across all over. Uh, we are glad that in the presence of your spirit, we are joined. So come and be present with us. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you believe? So in John's gospel on the last night that Jesus is with his disciples and he's in that closing discourse with them, uh, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I mean, after all that time, Philip is still struggling with that. And, and Jesus says, don't you believe at this point? Don't you believe even after all of this, Philip? In Matthew's gospel, uh, there's a story of a healing of two men who are blind. And as Jesus went out from the house he was in, uh, the two blind men followed him, crying loudly, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to, them, to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? In John's gospel, there's the story of the man uh, born blind from birth. And, and 
Jesus heals him as he comes into the city, and then the Pharisees call him in, and they basically interrogate him about what has happened. Uh, He's released and out in the city, and then the Pharisees question his parents, and then they call him back a second time. They call the man who had been born blind, and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he answered, "I, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and you are trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, and he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And then in John's Gospel, when Jesus comes to the village of Bethany, where his friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live, and, and Lazarus has passed away, and both of the sisters come out to him one after the other and say, You know, Lord, if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus responds and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe? Do you have confidence? Do you entrust your life to it? So the, uh, the Flying Melindas are a, a rather famous high-wire act, and uh, they've been in all kinds of circuses and TV specials and things like that. And a number of years ago, some of you may remember, uh, one of them uh, walked a high-wire between two of the, the skyscrapers in New York. Uh, but one of the most impressive things I can remember is uh, when one of the leaders of the family, Nick Walinda, uh, walked a high-wire across Niagara Falls. Uh, and, and, you know, watching this to me was, was simply an amazing kind of thing to see him do this, that, to do this act of, of both courage, but also a tremendous act of faith. Uh, he had to have absolute confidence as he walked across that wire uh, strung from the U.S. to Canada. He had to know that it was properly anchored and, and at the right tension. Uh, he had to know that it was going to be stable. You can see that rod that hangs from it to, to stabilize it so it doesn't sway back and forth too much uh, in, in, the, in the air and the currents that are there around the falls. And, and especially when you get the close-up shot and you see him, I think, oh, he had to have a tremendous amount of self-discipline to do this as well. I mean, he had to bring all of his skill and all of his courage to this, but he also had to have absolute confidence that that wire was properly strung and it wasn't going to move. He had to have absolute confidence that the people he worked with had done this properly. He had to have confidence in his own skills, but he also had to trust that, you know, as he walked across there, that, you know, the, the, the winds weren't going to blow him off and that, you know, the gravity was going to be stable so that everything he knew how to do would work right. Uh, and he had to put one foot in front of the other. And when I look at this photo in particular, 
I'm thinking as he walks across it, and there was this tremendous uh, volume of noise from this water going over the falls and spray in the air, and, and looking down at the movement of the water underneath him, uh, that, that to me would have caused vertigo and dizziness, and, and, and he took one step after the other and crossed over that. That's faith. That's, that's entrusting your life, having confidence to be able to do that. And that's what God calls us to do, is to have that kind of confidence in His Word as we go through life. You know, this past year has been crazy for many of us, and, and much like going over Niagara Falls, uh, there's been all kinds of noise going on around, and, and all kinds of turmoil, and everything's been different than what we've expected, and, and at times it's been vertigo-causing uh, the way things have changed in our lives. And in spite of that, God has called us to, to believe, to act in faith, to put one foot in front of the other. You know, the prince of this world would have you uh, get confused, would have you overwhelmed with the vertigo and the movement of the water, would, would, would overwhelm you with the noise of the world so that you would fall off that wire. But our God calls us to have faith and to trust that wire and to walk in faith across the craziness that sometimes surrounds us in this world. It's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it is what God calls us. Believe in the good news. Believe it's true. Trust it. Put your life into it. Trust it with your very life. Now, that's not always an easy thing to do. There's a story in Mark's gospel where a man brings his son to Jesus. Uh, his son's been uh, possessed by a spirit that causes him to have convulsions. Uh, so they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, the spirit in the boy saw Jesus. Immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And you hear the, the Father's desperation in his plea. If you're able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you're able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keep this, keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. I believe. Help my own belief. And you hear that word from that father. You know, sometimes in the midst of life, it's, it's hard to be able to step one foot in front of the other across that wire in absolute confidence. And you hear that in this moment when the father is so desperate, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus does. I mean, God understands that sometimes life is going to overwhelm us, that sometimes it's going to be hard for us to walk with that kind of confidence. But instead of rejecting Jesus comes and surrounds him in love and lifts him up. I mean, Paul would remind us of that when he writes to the Romans, and he would say, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And I don't know about you, but 
There's been times in my life when things have been so overwhelming that I, I haven't really known how to pray or what words to use. Um, when those moments come in life where uh, the finances crash and everything seems to be going south, where our children are, are making bad mis- uh, choices in life, or maybe they, they're, they're in jail, uh, where our spouse comes and says, I'm done, I want out, uh, where we suffer a major death in our family and we don't know how to respond. There's been times when I've spoken to families in the midst of those kinds of events, and, and I haven't known what the right words to say are or how to pray. But this is, this is the word of mercy and grace, that, that when we don't know how to do that in our weakness, God himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And when we're on that wire and we are overwhelmed, God doesn't abandon us. But God intercedes for us with sighs too deep words. God comes alongside us and lifts us up. God doesn't abandon us in those moments. Do you believe? And if you're struggling with it, ask God to come alongside of you and, and, and lift you up. I believe, but help my unbelief. And if you're not sure what to say, lean into God's spirit with you and let God pray for you. When you read through these stories and scriptures as they continue, the ones I mentioned a minute ago, uh, with the two blind men, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And the men said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened. Then Jesus sternly ordered them, see that no one knows of this. But they went away and spread the news about him throughout that district. When he comes and he encounters the man that's been born blind as he's leaving the Pharisees, He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And again to the sisters of Lazarus, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. There's a tremendous power in all those moments when, when belief comes forth, but, but sometimes it, it requires God to be with us and to lift us up so that we can believe in the way we want to. In the midst of this past year, in the midst of the pandemic and everything that's been going on, a lot of us have felt overwhelmed uh, and, and not known how we move forward in this. Uh, this morning, our sister Nancy is going to come and talk to us about how she stepped out in faith uh, in a time of uncertainty in her life. Good morning. My name is Nancy Wright, and I have been a member of Bethany for the last 16 years. This morning I was asked to talk about living what we believe. 16 years ago, I moved to Austin after being unemployed for five months. I was living off credit cards and very little savings, but I wanted to be down here to be closer to family. My mother, who is a member of Bethany, brought me to the Saturday night's uh, church service. And that night, that first night, I met Christy and Tina from the Crossroads Sunday School class, and they invited me to the class the next day. Looking back, it was definitely a God thing. Um, That class, you know, on top of learning more about how God works in our lives and how to apply it, also was very involved with missions. And that was something that I didn't get very involved with at my last church. 
but this Sunday School class was very involved with hands-on housing and Easter Basket Sunday and um, some of the food drive work. And so I got involved with that, which was very satisfying. When the stewardship campaign came up that year, Ted and Susie Jordan, who were leaders of the class, wanted to remind us all that, you know, although tithing was very important, that just as important was our gifts, our service, and our presence at this church. And it, it really struck me at that time because I still didn't have a job. And I was trying to figure out, because I'm in accounting, so I felt that it was very important to give something to the church. So when I filled out my card that year, the amount that I put down, in a lot of ways it was nominal, but it was a fortune to me. And, um, but I handed it in and prayed that I would actually be able to afford it the next year. The next year came and I actually ended up getting a job and I was able to pay off what my pledge was for, from the previous year. And I felt very satisfied with all that. But was just as equally satisfying was all the other work that I was doing. All the work with the missions, as well as I got involved with the sound and media team. So I'm part of the group that does the uh, slides up and back. And so what living what, what we believe is to me so is it's about the money, but it's also about our time and our presence, being good to one another and reaching out to people, both in our church, even outside our church, to show them God's love and God's wish for all of us to be happy and active participants in this world. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. She reminds us that we are called to step forward in faith, sometimes even when we're not sure how that's going to happen, to commit our lives to, to live out God's call on our lives. Uh, and that when we do that, God tends to come alongside of us and, and lift us up and move us forward through that. It is important to think about that in terms of all that we're doing right now in, in this congregation. We're talking again about the stewardship time. And in particular, we're talking about our offering of our finances. Uh, as you heard her mention uh, in, in the uh, short video there, uh, I do want to remind you that our, our leadership in the church has already made some of those commitments. There's 118 of them who have already committed about $826,000, which is a good start, but a start. And so we are asking you also to make that commitment and to give in that way. Um, you should be receiving materials in the mail or by email, but as Wynn said at the beginning of the service, we've been having some issues with that. So uh, you, you may have bumped a little bit with that or you may have trouble with that. Please, if you uh, are having difficulty, let us know with that. Or you can simply go to the church's website. And if you go to the page, uh, homepage, and you look at the top, you'll see some words up there in blue at the top. One of them is giving. If you hit that tab for giving, it will take you to this page, and you can see the box on this page for your electronic estimate of giving. That will bring up a page that looks like this, and you can uh, then on this page make your commitment uh, for whatever amount it is, whatever frequency, and whatever way you need that to happen. So uh, I want to encourage you to engage in that as we move into 2021. A large part of how well we can live into God's call on us in 2021 will depend on your financial support of the ministry that God does in this congregation. 
Now, uh, about a year or so after Nick Walenda walked across Niagara Falls, um, he, he walked across the Grand Canyon. Some people would say he's crazy. <laughs> kind of seems that way to me a little bit, but, but nonetheless, uh, to me, it's amazing uh, to see someone able to do this, to, to make that kind of commitment. You see, see, even when we step out in faith, life is always going to bring us new challenges. There's always going to be the next challenge for us to face. Um, you know, here we are in this year uh, with the pandemic, and, and, you know, we've had them before. There will be another one at some point in the future. Uh, here we are in an election year, and I remind you uh, as we move into that that, you know, we do this every four years. So regardless of what happens in the next several weeks, in four years, we're going to do this all over again uh, once more. Uh, and so, you know, these challenges are going to continue to come to us, and things are going to happen in our lives. We're going to have bumps and we're going to have losses in our lives. There are always going to be things that are going to challenge us and opportunities for us to, uh, to slip and to fall. But what God calls us to do in all of that is to continue to believe and to continue to trust and to continue to put one foot in front of the other and to live into the kind of confidence the psalmist expressed to us. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I believe. I trust. I have confidence. I've entrusted my life into the reality that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so I want to bring it back to you and ask you again. Do you? Do you believe? Let's pray. Almighty Father, we admit to you that we struggle. And so in those times we are struggling... Help our unbelief in those moments when we don't know how to deal with things. Let your spirit come alongside and intercede for us with sighs too deep for words. Hold us up. Give us the confidence, the faith that we need. That we can continue to put one foot in front of the other on this journey of faith that you have called us out onto. Now we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.